So Tyler and I here at the Lions 24-7 podcast, we're men of the people. We, we try to get a podcast out for you before the holiday. Uh, we, we got together on Wednesday night, sent a couple of texts to each other, said, hey, let's get this done, like 9.30, you know, you know, Thanksgiving's tomorrow, but that's okay. And we both got the exact same look from our wives, and that's why we're coming to you on a Friday afternoon. So sorry about that. We did what we could. Didn't really work out, but... We're here with you, previewing Maryland Senior Day, Penn State, Maryland, three uh, thirty tomorrow at Beaver Stadium, um, it, and you know it's it's a chance for Penn State to secure, I guess, their resume for a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving, and uh, again, thanks for the patience. Glad we could get something up here before the game. Uh, you know, it's 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 a chance to win nine games in a regular season. I know that wasn't necessarily the goal for a lot of fans this year, uh, but that's a total that's tough to get to in, in any conference. Um, and it's a chance, obviously, to to send these seniors out on a high note. You, you hear the importance of that every year. I think there's a little bit more special, uh, you know, gravitas to that. With this, with the members of the 2014 recruiting class, uh, obviously several of them departed last year. But the amount of respect that James Franklin, the teammates have for for these guys who you know kind of took a chance on Penn State at a crossroads time back in 2014 with a new head coach and you know a, a lot of promises being made and and they've done their best to hold up their end of the bargain. So uh, you know th- I think it's going to be a special moment for those guys and a lot of the fans and um, and rightfully so because you know they've made their mark on the program. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, three straight New Year's Six Bowls. If Penn State does win tomorrow, um, you know, that's that that says something right now. You know, most projections say Peach, Fiesta, Citrus Bowl still in there, Outback Bowl still in there as well. Um, still pumping for that one. But uh, no, I mean, it's uh, it, it, regardless of, of where they finish up, if they do finish nine and three and with a chance at a third straight 10 win season, I mean, that's that's pretty special. So to think about where this program was, where they came in and to think about where it was sort of when Trace McSorley took over as, as starting quarterback. And that says something about the program over the last couple of years. We're going to stop and uh, talk a little bit about Maryland right now. When the schedule came out, you saw Rutgers and Maryland at the end of the year, and you thought, okay, this is this is an easy way to end it for Penn State. You know, you, obviously, you know, Rutgers is at the bottom of the league. Maryland, you know, is always going to be lumped in with Rutgers, considering they're the ones that came into the league with them. But uh, you know, it's it's not that easy. Ohio State got. Fairly lucky last weekend in, in, in the overtime when, when, when Pegram could not hit the receiver in the end zone for the two-point conversion. Maryland, you know, lost by one at Ohio State, or excuse me, against Ohio State. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a tough one. You wonder if Maryland is maybe a little bit emotionally exhausted after that game because that was, that was a slugfest right there. I mean, it's, and Maryland does it all on the ground. I mean, that's, this is another team. I think we've said it about three or four teams in the last uh, two months. This is a team that's going to try and run the hell out of the ball, and, and, and they're just going to keep doing it. I mean, they, they can be down 14 and they're going to stick to the running game. And we were talking, Tyler and I, before the show, it all starts with Anthony McFarland, kid out of the math, a really good prospect. Uh, Maryland has actually recruited running back very well. Ty Johnson's questionable for tomorrow, but he's another good one. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a good spot for Maryland and that's exactly what they're going to try and do. Yeah. Anthony McFarland is one of the, there haven't been many success stories in there in the efforts of Maryland to keep keep prospect top prospects on home turf and he's one of those guys who who looked around at other power 5 programs decided he was going to stay in Maryland and that was a huge win you know he's somebody who had to deal with a significant injury before he could get to where he is now but you know McFarland you know he showed a, he showcased his skills in a, in a big time matchup against Ohio State 
Um, you know, this was a guy that, that I'm sure Penn State was already uh, going to assert plenty of attention to. But now, you know, with the quarterback situation, you know, Maryland on the season, they're completing about 50% of their passes as a group. They're on to their backup quarterback because of an injury. Uh, so, yeah, McFarland, uh, I think Ty Johnson, it'll be interesting to see what his availability is because he's averaging seven, uh, seven and a half yards per carry this season. But McFarland, by the way, on 125 carries, Sean, 8.2 yards average. Uh, that is just some sustained special running prowess that he has developed here in a breakout season for Maryland. I think he had 218 uh, against Ohio State in the first half last weekend. I, he was shot out of a cannon on a couple of those runs, and that's something that you know Penn State can't uh, can't afford to be slow to. And and when you have a dual threat like Terrell Pegram uh, beside him, I mean that's uh, that's that's going to be something that they have to account for. I said in my prediction a lot, a lot of pressure on the linebackers this week. Um, you know, and and we said it last week, or excuse me, earlier this week, we expect Koa Farmer to be starting, but yeah, expect to see a lot of Micah Parsons as well. Um, so there's a lot of pressure on that defense specifically the back seven I mean Ohio State's back seven is not very good and they they let McFarland they let these some of these running backs get to that second level and they had uh, trouble tackling Penn State that's a familiar uh familiar theme from them from earlier in the season so I I I liken this a lot to the pit game I think Kenny Pickett's a little bit better of a thrower but Pegram can can make some more things happen he's a playmaker Penn State actually liked him as a slot receiver um back in back in the day but uh it's uh it's it's going to be one of those things where you know it's it's not difficult to diagnose what needs to happen if they stop the run they'll be fine if not they're going to be in trouble i could see this being uh, a little bit like the pick game or the illinois game uh you know where the opposing offense is able to kind of have its way on the ground really you know throw some scare into you because you wonder are we going to be able to hold these guys to under five yards of carry and if we can't do that how can we possibly win i could see that being the case maybe through the first half but i think penn state has the ability to make the adjustments and, and counteract some things that maryland does there put some pressure on the passing game. And that's where I think Penn State, the last few weeks in particular, uh, when they're able to pin their ears back a little bit, get that you know two-possession lead late in the game, they've shown the ability to close out games You know, the, over the course of the last month defensively, getting after the quarterback with their front four. We, Micah Parsons showed what he can do from that second level. And then I think the play of their defensive backs has been a big story. They've been able to catch these uh, of these balls that have been you know placed before them on defense and come down with these interceptions. You know There was an issue producing turnovers early in the year. They got seven the past couple of weeks. So I'm going to be focused a lot on safety, you know, dealing with the run, but also potentially being in the spots to come up with some key interceptions. So that means, you know, Garrett Taylor, who I think has played you know pretty consistently well throughout the season. And then Nick Scott, who's just an emotional leader. I think a lot of players would point towards him for bringing that emotion into senior day. And, and you wonder how that can impact momentum early, late in the game. You know, there's a lot of energy out there for these guys, especially the fifth year seniors. We've seen a lot of senior days where, you know, just sort of things kind of explode for the offense. I think back to Michigan State back in, what, 2003 when they just kind of went crazy or maybe it was 2004. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you're going to have some sort of uh, emotions to check there. Amani Oriwari talked about that uh, on Wednesday night at practice availability. It's it's one thing that you have to separate from the game, and, and we'll see. Maybe you bring a little bit more juice to that offense. It's, Trace McSorley is obviously the headliner when you're talking about senior days, and it's going to be his last day, and, you know, You'd like to see him get on on uh, you know I guess get on track. We're twelve games into the season, but get on track and go with it. The weather is not going to help them out, so you, you want to see some running game. Um, I mean, it's uh, it, it's not a sure thing for Penn State, but if you can you know parlay some of that uh, senior day momentum, some of that juice into into some offensive production, I think you'll be okay. 
Yeah, and I mean, the last couple of times these two teams played, it, you know, it turned into a track meet with Penn State surging away. You know, last year it was 66-3 to you know, in, in on the road, and it was Tommy Stevens, you know, showed off his skills a little bit, and, uh, you know, th- there just wasn't much to walk away from, happy for Maryland. And, you know, the last time these teams met in Beaver Stadium, Penn State comes away 38-14 win, um, and if it feels like this one's going to be competitive, uh, you know, based on the way, you know, every game for Penn State has felt competitive except for the Michigan game. And even that, you know, it was a two score game in the third quarter, late in the third quarter. I see Maryland, you know, you know, hanging around at the very least, and maybe that's not giving them enough credit after what they did against Ohio State. But I do think there is something to be said for as emotionally charged up and the highs and lows this team has gone through, you know, with the coaching staff, with the death of a teammate dating back to the summer, they're clearly a team that can surge with that energy. But we're at week of 12, you know, they're, they're a week removed from this, you know, major investment against Ohio State and they almost pull it off. Heartbreaking way to end it. And I do wonder, coming into another team's senior day, as we said, the energy that will be present in Beaver Stadium, uh, how, do, how do those two things match up? How do they equate to maybe the on-field performance, specifically early in this game? Maryland five and six playing for a bowl, uh, a bowl bid or a potential bowl bid on Saturday. So you got to factor that in as well. I mean, it, it comes back to me. If the offense doesn't score points, I mean, you've got problems. I mean, and, and they've been what I think 22 points, 21 points per game since the, uh, since the Ohio State game. So if you can't do that, I mean, your defense is playing pretty good football right now. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where if you don't score enough points, you might be in trouble because, because Maryland, while they don't throw, they threw 14 times against Ohio State. Can put together yards on the ground. They put can put together points on the ground. They can manufacture turnovers as well. So um, we'll see what happens with with that sort of thing. It's been a long time since we saw this uh, Penn State offense pull out the dagger at the end of a game. You know, get that long touchdown run or throw that 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 officially just puts it out of reach. You know, and and it just hasn't been able to come up with that play. Thus, you see Rutgers hanging around very late in the game. You see Indiana able to rally late. Um, and, and it just, it's really been since that Illinois game in the Big Ten opener where we've seen them run away toward the finish line. Um, and, and Maryland's a team that has shown, you know, you can do that to them over the years. You know, we give them a lot of credit for last week. Um, everyone knows that they, you know, about this series with Texas where they, where they've won these games back to back years, including the opener this year. But this is a team that lost to winless Temple by 21 points at home. Uh, they're a team that got shut out by Iowa 23 to nothing. They lost by 21 to Michigan State. Um, and so this is a team that you can bury late in games. And, but, but if you can't do that offensively, you can't get that efficiency late in the game, find your rhythm, you know, find some plays out there. Uh, it, it's going to be an issue. And, and ultimately, you know, it's going to come down to, to a guy on senior day everyone's focused on, Trace McSorley. Where is he at? Because I don't think you can get Rutgers' version of Trace McSorley and think you're going to be able to, to put this one out of reach anytime late in the game. And that's what I, I'm trying to say about Maryland. I'm not sure. I, you know, I, I have a close game prediction, but I don't know that Maryland's that all that. I mean, I I know that they're not that good. They've been hit and miss several times. You give them a lot of credit for Ohio State, but they've been pounded at times as well. And my prediction is more about Penn State. Can Penn State do what they have to do on offense to to control some more clock? Because you know Maryland's going to win time of possession on Saturday. You know Maryland's going to you know try and dictate what they're able to do for for you know the first three quarters or whatnot. But uh, it's uh, it, my prediction 
is more about Penn State playing poorly than it is about Maryland playing playing well. So um, 21 seniors on Saturday going to be introduced. Trace is the headliner. Obviously, Amani Oriware is going to be the, uh, you know, the, I think a guy that deserves a big cheer. He's had a very solid career for Penn State since coming up from Florida in that 2014 class. Mark Allen, Koa Farmer, Nick Scott, uh, Jonathan Thomas, uh, DeAndre Tompkins, all, all contributors. A name on the list this week that probably, you know, we probably expected to pop up, but still, you know, when it, when a guy that has eligibility left is going to be introduced for senior day, it's it's noteworthy. Uh, Sterling Jenkins, he's a guy that was obviously boomer bust, unfortunately has uh, uh, migrated to the ladder for that part, but there's uh, a guy that uh, I think, you know, and I say this all the time, you take a chance on that guy. I mean, he's 6'8 plus, he's he's athletic, he bends well, just did not have the the aggression, did not have the, the demeanor to be the, 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 the guy that we thought he could be, but physically, athletically, that kid's a first-round pick. He just did not have the football player in him to do it. Yeah, and, and you know, taking a moment to look back at Sterling Jenkins' 24-7 recruiting profile, a top 20 tackle in the country, a top five player in the state of Pennsylvania. There's a reason this kid had offers from Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, SEC, Big Ten, you name it. Um, this is the kind of kid that you say, you know, we bring him into the program, get him into what we do, and, and, and get him to buy in. And this six foot eight, three hundred and five pound high school senior, I think we'll like what we have three years down the line. Um, but there's a reason if you can bring in high volume guys like this, um, and you bring in several per class, it softens the blow when they don't work out well. And Sterling Jenkins is a guy where if he goes to a school like Pitt, you know, a hometown, he's going to be the top ranked kid in that class probably. Or if he goes to another school in the Big Ten, let's say a Maryland or Rutgers, he's the foundational guy in that recruiting class. And that's even more pressure. That's even more attention on how his career goes. Penn State, because they've been able to bring in several guys like this per class, guys who are considered you know, top talents of their position, again, I think it softens the blow. But good luck to Sterling Jenkins and whatever is next for him. In that 2015 class, they also brought in Ryan Bates, who was the highest ranked offensive lineman. Obviously, he's had a, a very good career. Steven Gonzalez uh, was was right in there as a four-star kid as well. And Paris and Paris Palmer was there too. Uh, he's got some starts out of him. So not completely lost in that 2015 class. Uh, beyond that, uh, I think a cool thing about Senior Day every year is the walk-ons. Uh, we mentioned a couple earlier this week in our podcast, Jason Vranek, Charlie Schumann, those guys. Frank DeLeo, man, um, every time I would go to practice – you see this guy, and he's five nine. He's, I mean, he's. I'll call him. He's, he's obviously stocky, stubby for a linebacker because he is five nine. But this is a kid. I think everybody in that building uh, respects. I mean, he's a guy that saw the field a couple times late. I mean, he was kind of like the victory cigar earlier this year. He's from Illinois. Went to Illinois and played in that game. That's got to be cool for him. So, uh, this is a guy's the centerpiece of a scout team. Uh, he and Veranic were in there. Um, just sort of whatever position you need to play, you, know, you just throw them in there and they're going to do their job. So I think he deserves mention. Joe Arcangelo is a kid that I covered back in high school. Um, you know, he was, he, he went to Bucknell right away, played as a freshman at Bucknell, and then he decided to try and chase his dream and play at Penn State. Didn't work out for him as well as, uh, you, you know, you'd hope in that situation. But uh, he came into a tight end room that, that, that needed some depth, needed some bodies. He looked actually looked pretty decent in the spring. But, you know, there's a lot more talent, and they've come a long way uh, over the last year under Tyler Bowen. And then finally, Zach Simpson. Uh, you know, I think they're going to miss Zach Simpson because this is a kid that, that's played a lot of practice football for him. He's played center. He's played guard. Um, you know, he's a, he's a kid that you look to potentially as one of those guys that could have earned a scholarship eventually. Uh, but I think they're going to miss him a little bit. But uh, Zach Simpson has done some some really good things and gotten f- you know farther than ninety eight percent of the offensive line walk ons that we've seen coming to the program. 
Yeah, it's it's always a, an emotional moment for these walk-ons and their players because they don't have that that background where they were being recruited by everybody and they elected to go to Penn State and, and formed a recruiting class. You know, you get to know these guys in a different way when they come the walk-on path. Um, and once you do see that their hustle is matching the hustle, and then some of these scholarship athletes, it's not easy. To, uh, it's 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 very hard not to love those guys and embrace those guys. And you see that in the locker room. Um, I think Jason Brannick, after the spring game, we got a chance to speak with him. His teammates love the fact. I think he led he he led the team in tackles in April in that game, and his teammates love that. They wanted to shine the spotlight on that. And, uh, you know, those guys will have their moment again here heading out of the program and, and what they did. And we've heard Franklin talk about it routinely. Uh, the growth uh, of higher you know expectations on the scout team has led to the growth of higher expectations for, you know, what we would call the varsity squad. Um, and, and that's important every year to continue to get better on your scout team and challenge everybody else. And you know, these guys have played a role in that. Defensive line has played well this year. They've done it without uh, Torrance Brown and Ryan Buckholtz. Uh, those guys will be honored before the game. Just really unfortunate situations. Brown was never coming back after that knee injury last year. Buckholtz has had problems with his back since high school. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that that kid has, has a ton of talent and uh, you know would have been an NFL guy in my opinion if he could have stayed healthy. Uh, real quick to, to finish it off, recruiting. I'm going to throw this disclaimer out there. The weather looks bad. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised that this list looks different today than it does tomorrow. Um, but uh, some some good names planning to come this weekend. Anton Harrison, uh, offensive lineman. Actually, I think you start and you look at the the guys that are coming in. Some really quality 2020 offensive linemen scheduled to be on hand. Anton Harrison's uh, supposed to be there. Grant Tutant, who's a guy that we're watching very closely um, from from Michigan, and plans to be in there. Aaron Parks has said, or Aaron Parks' coach said, he's coming up. That might be a little bit up in the air right now, depending on whenever you. You listen to this podcast and Curtis Jacobs, a guy that uh, Brian Dome put a crystal ball pick in for on Friday morning. I like where Penn State stands now. Uh, this kid is just a, a heck of an athlete when he steps on the field, regardless of wh- whether he's playing wideout, whether he's playing safety, linebacker, rover, or whatever. Usually the best player on the field. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Jaden Dotton. I know he's excited to get back on campus, and you know he's got a, a nice growing list of offers. He's six foot three. He's a junior. Very productive this season on the field. Interesting to note, this will be his first opportunity to get to a college campus in 2018 for a game. A lot of his games were on Saturdays, so uh, you're getting this kid in late, but nobody else has gotten him to campus yet. He's somebody that Penn State offered uh, when he was on campus for a camp this summer. And he's a guy. He's a guy that we've pegged as, as potentially one of the first commits in this. Yeah, class. I think you and I have both at some point have put in some crystal ball picks there. Um, and, and he has talked about, you know, it is kind of appealing to him to, to think about being a foundational early member of a class, if not the earliest guy. He seems to think he has that personality. And based on what he says, the Penn State staff has told him they think that, too. Brandon Smith, your boy. Uh, one more thing here. Um, he, he was named to the high school Butkus uh, Award finalist. I think there was only five of them in the country. This kid he's really good, man. Really good. Yeah, yeah, six foot five, two twenty eight right now, and and he's going. He's excited to get on campus and work. Uh, got his career stats from his father. The last three seasons there at Louisa County, which by the way, unbeaten regular season this year. They did lose in the playoffs. Um, more than three hundred and fifty tackles in the last three years. Uh, this year, over one hundred and twenty tackles, and he's a guy who's gotten to the quarterback twenty plus sacks in his career. So. Uh, a lot to be excited about his future. Remember him and fellow linebacker commit Lance Dixon, 
both get to campus in January, get a head start on their college careers. We're going to give you a head start on your weekend, get you out of here real quick. Uh, appreciate you joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We're going to put this up uh, Friday afternoon, hopefully. And uh, uh, I have the game, or excuse me, I have Penn State winning a tight one. I think you have Penn State winning a tight one. We will see what the weather brings tomorrow. We will see what that running game brings tomorrow. And we will see if Penn State uh, it puts itself in position for a New Year's Six Bowl. Thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Sean Fitz. That's Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you next week.